Good morning, my brothers and sisters, and our Lord Jesus Christ. As we remain seated, we'll have an opening word of prayer. Almighty, great, and heavenly Father, the one true God, Yahweh, we come to thee, thanking thee for this day. We ask for thy blessing on our memorial service. We pray that we may remember thy son in the appointed way, in a respectful and reverential way, and that we ask that for thy blessing and that we may, that all our efforts may be acceptable unto thee. And so it is in the name of our Lord and Savior, thy Son, Jesus the Christ's name we pray to thee now. Amen. To open our memorial service for our Lord this morning, we will lift up our voices and sing an opening hymn. And that hymn will be hymn number 119. Reading from the second verse, hymn 119. My heart shall triumph in the Lord, and bless his works, and bless his word. Thy works of grace, how bright they shine, how deep thy counsels, how divine. Hymn number 119. This morning we are going to have one reading, one special reading, and that shall be Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, and that will be read to us by our brother Tony Cipriati. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which was taken up after that through the Holy Spirit had given commandments 
unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know these times or the seasons, which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that Holy Spirit is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the utmost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up unto heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into the upper room where abode both Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zeltos, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Thank you, Brother Tony. And now we will have our announcements, and this, these announcements shall be given to us by our brother, Carl Newth. Good morning, my dear brethren and sisters. The following announcements for today and the near future will be carried out only if it be the will of our Heavenly Father. The Reseda Ecclesia conducts its fellowship on the basis of the scriptural doctrines summarized in the Birmingham Amended Statement of Faith as, histor as historically upheld by the world Worldwide Central Fellowship of Christadelphians. All who are members in good standing of a central ecclesia and who fellowship only on this basis are welcome to partake of the emblems. With that in mind, we'd like to welcome our brother Con Mitsos of the Woodville Ecclesia, South Australia. We'd like to thank our brother for his ministrations on our behalf this weekend, and we'd like to ask him to please take Reseda's love and greetings back to Woodville. Uh, the schedule for today is as follows. To exhort is our brother Con Mitsos. Our servers will be brethren Jamin Fratello, Will Jesperger, and Larry Michael. The collection this morning is for the general fund. The schedule for the coming week, on Tuesday evening, we will continue with our beginning seminar with Brethren Chris Young and Tony Fratello.
And also on Tuesday evening, we've actually combined the advanced and the intermediate seminar. So um, that will be held, uh, led this week by Brother Len Mazuka. So both of those are now combined. Uh, on Wednesday evening, our Bible class will be given by our Brother Dave Young. And the duty for refreshments on Wednesday is our sister Katie Newth. Uh, Friday evening is the CYC, and I'm not sure where that is this week. It's Samy Hills? Okay, it's at Samy Hills Hall. The schedule for next Sunday to preside at the Sunday School is our brother Noah Fratello, and the adult Sunday School class will be led by brother Tony Fratello on 1 Peter chapter 2. For the memorial meeting to preside is our brother Caleb Newth, to exhort is our brother Matt Sturgeon. Our readers are brethren Kevin Mayock and Jamin Fratello. Our servers, <coughs> excuse me, our servers are brethren Jonathan Wisniewski, Gary Lortz, and Tony Fratello. Our instrumentalist is Sister Celia Coleman. And next uh, Sunday, the transportation for Brother Dale and Sister Sharon is Sister Joanne Fisher. These are all the announcements that I'm aware of. If there are any corrections or changes, could a brother please make them known? Almighty Heavenly Father, Yahweh, we come before Thee once again in prayer. Heavenly Father, we Again, thank Thee for the blessing of being able to come here today to remember Thy Son. We thank Thee so much for this country that we live in, for it is truly a blessing that we may be able to freely worship Thee, and that we do not have to fear. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the preaching efforts which we have been able to put on the seminars that we may have to be able to preach thy word to those who have ears to hear. Heavenly Father, we ask for thy special blessing on these preaching efforts that we may not only be lights to them that are in darkness, but that we may bring those who are in darkness, if it be thy will, into the light of the truth. And Heavenly Father, we realize that not all of us can be here this morning. And so we, we ask that you would please be with them, all the brothers and sisters who are ailing, whether it be physically or spiritually or mentally. We ask that you would please help them. Heavenly Father, we ask now again for thy Thy blessing not only on our memorial service to remember thy son, but we ask for a special blessing on the exhorting brother, Brother Khan. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would please let his words be thy words, and that we may take these lessons to apply them to our life. Heavenly Father, we, we realize that we don't always do what is expected of us, and we fall short regularly. And so, Heavenly Father, we ask for thy Son, Jesus Christ's sake, that you would please forgive us of all of our sins, whether they be ignorant or willful. Please remember our transgressions no more, and please remove them as far as the east is from the west, for thy Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Heavenly Father, we ask for thy Son's soon return, that we may 
hopefully if it be thy will, all the place therein. We long for the day that all the earth shall be filled with thy glory. We pray that he comes soon, if it be thy will, not only for our sakes, but for all mankind. And it is in the name of our Lord, our Savior, our Captain and King, Jesus the Christ's name we pray to thee now, Yahweh our God. Amen. Before hearing words of exhortation this morning, we will sing another hymn, hymn number 255, reading from the second verse. Death's mightiest powers have done their worst, and Jesus hath his foes dispersed. Let shouts of praise and joy outburst. Hallelujah. Hymn number 255. have words of exhortation given to us this morning by our brother Con Mitzos. Brother Con. Thank you, Brother Noah, and good morning, our dearly loved brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we bring with us, or I bring with me, I should say, the loving fraternal greetings of your brothers and sisters that meet at the Woodville Ecclesia in Adelaide in South Australia. And particularly, my sister wife, Sister Sue, asked, to, uh, asked me to convey her greetings and apologies that she's not here. And uh, I must say, I have been overwhelmed by your fellowship and friendship and hospitality. And I thank God for the great gift that you have been to me over the course of this weekend. Brothers and sisters, as we come together this morning in our final study on the life of Mary... Let us be mindful that we are here for one purpose and for one person. We are here to remember our Lord Jesus Christ 
and God's provision in him for our redemption. And let us be mindful also that Mary now sleeps in the dust of the earth. And she waits until her son's voice bursts open her grave and revives her and brings her to see her son in his glory and to be part of a wonderful future. And we want to be there to see that. But our Lord Jesus Christ is here. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And let us be mindful, therefore, that our Lord is in our midst this morning. And as we remember him and his amazing work to convert a woman, to convert a family, to convert a nation, to convert a world, that we are here, brothers and sisters, because we do appreciate the work that he has done for us. Just come to the words of the Apostle Paul, who put it beautifully in Galatians. We know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoso believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Apostle Paul personalised that, brothers and sisters, in these words in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, when he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And I'm sure each of us would echo those words, brothers and sisters, as we come together this morning to pay tribute to the amazing work that God has extended to us in his altogether lovely Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Could you please come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where we will commence our considerations. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, the burden of the chapter being the resurrection of Christ the firstfruits and afterwards they who are Christ's at his coming, records in the early verses the appearances of the Lord Jesus Christ after his resurrection. And we read in verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, as it was written, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, that is Peter, then of the twelve, after that he was seen of about 500 brethren at once. And I wonder whether that is the group referred to in Matthew's gospel in his 28th chapter, when he described those that recently had died, who rose out of their graves after his resurrection and went into the city and appeared unto many. It says many of them, maybe this was the group, to whom the Lord appeared after they were raised and sent them in to witness to his resurrection. 
of whom the greater part remain unto this present, says the Apostle Paul when he wrote this letter. But some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James. His brother, James. Could you begin to imagine, brothers and sisters, what it would have been like? We don't know where James was, what he was doing, what time of the day it was. But you, you can picture in your minds the immortal, glorified Lord Jesus Christ meeting James somewhere private. Wouldn't you like to just have been there to see this conversation that the scripture doesn't record here? But I believe we have a transcript of the conversation, brothers and sisters. And I believe that transcript is based on the fact that the story of the Lord and his family was foreshadowed by the story of Joseph and his family. He was the greater than Joseph. And Joseph was an incredible type of the Lord Jesus Christ in every aspect. But even in the family of our Lord Jesus Christ, we can see a parallel as Jesus now was going to make himself known to his family in a private meeting with James. If you'd like to follow along with me, I'm going to paraphrase the record from Genesis chapter 45 of Joseph making himself known to his brothers. And I believe that there is a basis, even though this is, of course, based on an allegory and a type, I think there is a basis upon which we could see a conversation similar to this between Jesus and James. I'm going to read from verse 3 of Genesis 45, and if you want, you can just follow along in the record with me. And Jesus said unto his brother James, I am Jesus. And his brother could not answer him, for he was troubled at his presence. And Jesus said unto his brother James, Come near to me, I pray you. And James came near. And he said, I am Jesus, your brother, whom you rejected and were party with those who sold me to the Roman power. Now, therefore, be not angry with yourself that you did this, for God did send me before you to preserve life. There is a famine in the land, a famine of hearing the word of Yahweh, and this will continue. And God did send me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So it was not you, but God who sent me to Golgotha. And he has made me the everlasting father and Lord of all, for all power and authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Haste. Go to my mother and say unto her, Thus saith your son Jesus, God hath made me Lord of all the earth. Come unto me and tarry not. And you will dwell in an ecclesial house, separated from the world. And you will be near unto me and your children and your children's children and all that you have. 
There in the ecclesia, I will nourish you during the coming years of famine, lest you and your household come to poverty. And behold, James, your eyes see that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. And you will tell my mother of all my divine glory which you have seen. And you will haste and bring my mother to me. And Jesus fell upon his brother James's neck and wept. And James wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed James and wept upon him. And after that, James talked with him. I don't know, brothers and sisters, whether that was the exact conversation. But it would have been something along those lines. As Jesus made himself known to James... And then we have in verse 25, taking the allegory further, James coming to Mary. As he was sent by Jesus. And James came to Mary, verse 25, and told her saying, Mother, Jesus is risen from the dead and he has been made Lord of all. And Mary's heart fainted, for she believed him not. Then James told Mary all the words of Jesus which he had said unto him, and the spirit of Mary revived. And Mary said, It is enough. Jesus, my son, is alive, and I will go and see him. Do you know, brothers and sisters, That appearance to James is all we are told in the New Testament. And then we read this morning that Jesus' mother and his brethren were with one accord in the ecclesia in Jerusalem. Let's come to Acts chapter 1. And from that we can deduce that the family was converted much like the, jo- the family of Jacob was reunited by the faithful ministrations of, of Joseph, who was sent on a mission by his father. And that mission was go and see how your brethren are faring. And he sought the welfare of his brethren, just like Jesus had done, brothers and sisters, And as a result of the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ to the work of his Father, it brought about the conversion of the family, the reconciliation and the reunion of the family in the ecclesia. And there we have that beautiful verse that says so much in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. These all continued with one accord, with one voice, in common union, In one mind. There's no doubt, brothers and sisters, that Mary and the brethren of Jesus, which encompasses, of course, his brothers and sisters, there is no doubt, brothers and sisters, that they were just not visiting the ecclesia. They were part of the ecclesia. The word one accord, of course, in the Greek, conveying the idea that they were in agreement of one mind. 
and also in prayer and supplication with the ecclesia that numbered 120 in those days. Excuse me. And there the Lord Jesus Christ, being in the midst of them as he said he would, although not visible, was there to witness the participation of Mary and his brethren with one accord in the ecclesia and breaking bread and in prayers. The conversion of the family must have had a massive impact on the ecclesia. You can imagine, brothers and sisters, James and John and Salome, their mother, and the anguish of heart that they had that their family was separated because of the truth. If you've been in a situation where you have family members that are not in the truth, you would be praying every day for God to bring them into the ecclesia. And you know, brothers and sisters, If you've ever had that experience, you'll know how important it is. I was in a situation where my family came into the truth and it caused a bitter separation in our family. And because my dad wouldn't stop talking about the truth and my Greek family, my uncle and my auntie and my grandparents thought that he'd been somehow brainwashed by some queer cult that they had never heard of. The close family that we were was divided for about six years until my uncle and auntie came into the truth. And then two years after that, my grandparents were taught the truth in Greek and were baptised in their later years. And our family was united in the ecclesia. Oh, I can just tell you, I can imagine how this must have been the most joyous occasion to sit in a memorial meeting and Salome and Mary are there together as mothers in the ecclesia. And James and Joseph and Simon and Judah and the sisters in the ecclesia. I know what that was like. I can remember what it was like to see one by one our family united in the truth. And that's what we want, brothers and sisters, for our children and that's what we want for all of our family members. And that is all, of course, subject to the will of God and the acceptance of people to the call of the gospel. And I can just appreciate just how Mary would have been perceived in the ecclesia because of the blessing that was upon her. She must have been an amazing person to have in the ecclesia, knowing that she was the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. But she wasn't perfect. She went through a struggle to work out what the truth was really all about. And those torturous years were difficult for her. She felt the bitter separation. She felt the animosity between Jesus and his half-brothers. They were all her children. And they were all difficult experiences. But in the end, because of the faithfulness of Jesus, the son that God had promised, He wrought a work in that family that was beyond her wildest imagination. And God can do the same for us, brothers and sisters. Paul says he can do exceeding 
abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to his power that works in us. And that's what happened to this family. And there they were in the midst of the ecclesia. And you know, brothers and sisters, once upon a time, Mary and his brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him but denied. They were not his disciples because they were not doing the will of his father. Here they were abiding within the ecclesial house with one mind and, and in prayer to God through Jesus Christ. They were his disciples and they were doing the will of his father. Now remember we said in our Sunday school session that the Lord in his last will and testimony and we know that his care for Mary was such that he commissioned John to take care of her and to lead her to the point of conversion because John was a spiritually minded brother and as we saw in the remaining verses in John chapter 19, John would have just been quietly putting together all of those things that Mary pondered in her heart but they hadn't quite concluded in her mind as they ought to have and John tenderly and lovingly brought her to the point of understanding that her son was the son that God had promised, the son of God. And it is a theory of mine, and I can't prove this, but it is a theory of mine that John's second letter to the elect lady was written to Mary. And if you read that letter with Mary in mind, you'll see just how many expressions in that letter fit perfectly. And you know, in that letter, John calls upon the elect lady and maybe she's not named because providentially God would know what the apostasy would make of any particular reference to Mary that might highlight her above others. But in that letter, John appeals to Mary to support the brethren against the development of an apostate doctrine that Jesus did not come in the flesh. And John said to this elect lady, whosoever doesn't accept the doctrine that Jesus came in the flesh I don't want you even to invite them into your home. I don't want you even to say Godspeed as you part company with them. Because it's all about the truth. And you've been called into the truth and the truth is separate from error. Who better, brothers and sisters, to support the apostles to bear witness and testimony to the fact that the Lord was born in the flesh than his own mother. But as I say, that is an assertion that I'll make based on what I believe possibly is uh, an attempt to disguise the identity of this chosen or elect lady, but nonetheless a special lady, a lady who was well known, and could be called upon by John to support the apostles to defend the truth against error. Just come to Psalm 86 and let's just look at two Psalms that refer to Mary. Psalm 86. <clears throat> These are Messianic Psalms. And they refer to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Let's read from verse 14. O God, the proud are risen against me. The assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul and have not set thee before them. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, plenteous in mercy and truth. O turn unto me and have mercy upon me and give thy strength unto thy servant and save the son of thine handmaid. Show me a token for good that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed because thou, Yahweh, has holpen me and comforted me. Mary is referred to in that psalm prophetically as Yahweh's handmaid because God credited Mary as being the handmaid of the Lord. She said, behold the handmaid of the Lord. That's one thing to say, this is what I am pledging to be. It is another thing to have that recorded of you by the divine record. And this was the subject of a messianic psalm where she was prophesied as being Yahweh's handmaid because God calls those things that be not as though they are. God considered Mary for good despite the challenges she faced. She was Yahweh's handmaid. Psalm 116 is another psalm that refers to Mary. This is a beautiful psalm. Again, a messianic psalm. And there is, um, there is the Last Supper in verse 13, the cup of salvation. There's Gethsemane, I'll pay my vows now in the presence of all his people in verse 14. There's Golgotha in verse 15. Precious are the, in the sight of Yahweh is the death of all his saints. And there is the garden tomb opened in verse 16. O Yahweh, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. She was Yahweh's handmaid. Your handmaid, Jesus, says in the spirit of this messianic psalm. But in both psalms, brothers and sisters, we have a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ as Yahweh's servant the son of Yahweh's servant. Because the servant qualities of the Lord Jesus Christ that made him subject to his father were the qualities that he gained from his mother. She was the bond slave S because it's in the feminine gender. The word handmaid is the bond slave in the feminine gender. Yahweh chose her because she did have the disposition of a bond slave and he perfected the spirit of Mary in the greatest servant of all. And in his victory, brothers and sisters, as the servant of Yahweh, she is honoured as his mother. Isn't that beautiful to think that the Psalms anticipated the conversion and the restoration of this woman into the status where she was equally with her son, the servant of Yahweh, the bond slave of Yahweh. Matthew chapter 25. Let's cast our minds into the future, brothers and sisters, because one day we're going to see a beautiful scene a scene where Mary will stand before her son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we know in Matthew 25, we have the parable of the sheep and the goats. When the Son of Man will come in his glory, verse 31, and all his holy angels with him, and he will separate the sheep from the goats. He will separate the two seeds, seed of the serpent, seed of the woman. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and, his, and the goats on the left. And he'll say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And we know he will say um, to those on his right hand, I was hungered and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, ye gave me drink. I was a stranger and ye took me in. Naked and ye clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then shall the righteous answer him and say, When saw we thee and hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. I like to imagine Mary standing before her son. And these words, brothers and sisters, directed to her. And I, in my imagination, picture Mary saying, when you needed me the most, I was not there. I was not there to see that you had something to eat when you hungered and when you were thirsty. I wasn't the one that gave you a drink. And when you were a stranger and an alien to your mother's brethren, I made no compensation for that. I didn't take you in. If you were sick, I have no knowledge of that. Or captured and arrested by your enemies. I was not even there to give you a word of comfort. And he will lift her downcast eyes and he'll wipe the tears out of her eyes and say, I saw what you did to my brethren. And that's why I said, John, she's going to be a mother to my brethren. Because inasmuch as you've done it unto the, one of the least of these, my brethren, you have been a mother to me. Come, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. We want to be there to see that, brothers and sisters. To see mother and son united in the kingdom in a very special and tender way. Let's come to Revelation chapter 1. And the picture that we have in Revelation chapter 1 is a picture of the man of the one, the composite Christ, made up of all of the saints with him in glory.
what do we see in this picture, brothers and sisters? Mary will be part of this composite Christ, the multitudinous Christ in that day. And we hope to be there in that day with them. We read in verse 15, His feet were like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice is the voice as the sound of many waters, because that represents the one accord, the one mind and the one voice that will sound out from Christ and the ecclesia. Manifestation of the man of the one. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And there, brothers and sisters, is going to be Mary and Jesus, and both of them will have the same sharp two-edged sword coming out of their mouth, and they will speak in unison. It will no longer be the sword thrusts piercing into the soul of Mary from her son. They will both have that sword, and it will pierce through to the hearts of the mortal population as they minister to them until God is all in all. That's a beautiful picture to me of mother and son and all of us brothers and sisters who will have that sword proceeding forth out of our, out of our mouths. Revelation chapter 3, a beautiful window into the elevation of the saints with the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 3 and verse 21. And these are words to the Laodicean Ecclesia. An ecclesia probably more like the days in which we live, where sadly, generally speaking, the faithful remnant has to exist in a larger corporate body of some who are lukewarm in their zeal for Yahweh. And there is an exhortation for them against the day of judgment to prepare for that day. But there is a wonderful promise for those who do respond to the voice of the Son of God and the words that are addressed to them to become repentant and to reform and to change so that the Lord Jesus Christ can accept them when he comes. Because in verse 19, as many as I love are rebuke and chasten and that sword will pierce deep and it will hurt but it's the sword of love and it's a call to repentance And to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Could you imagine Jesus saying to Mary, Mary, you know that throne was promised to me. Come and sit with me on that throne. And reign with me over the mortal population that will be Converted, we know ultimately until God is all in all. And that's the picture that Paul paints in 1 Corinthians 15. And so we'd like to just go back there if, if you could. Because at the end of the thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we will be there to reign with him as kings and priests, he will reign, 1 Corinthians 15, until the end. And we read in verse 24, Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power, for he must reign until he hath put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. 
That expression there in verse 24, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, the, the kingdom is a word in the Greek, vasilia, in the feminine gender. The king is in the masculine. The kingdom is in the feminine, in the Greek. Because the kingdom is made up of people. It's feminine because they are the bride of Christ. And the day is going to come in this beautiful picture when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to present his bride to his father. And I want to see that day, brothers and sisters, because that is a blessing reserved for those saints at the end of the thousand years when God is all in all. Revelation 20. One says that God will be with them. Emmanuel. Nothing will be there to separate us between us and our Father. And if our vision of the future, brothers and sisters, doesn't include our Father, maybe we need to rethink what our vision of the future really is. God is our Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ is going to present his bride to his father. And you imagine when Mary is presented before the eternal God of the universe, with whom he entered into a unique relationship, because they shared in parenthood, Yahweh the highest and Mary, they shared in parenthood a relationship that is totally unique to bear the Son of God. And I think that will be a beautiful time for all of us when we come to see our Father. Just come to first of John. And here is uh, a beautiful picture that John paints also of this time. In first of John chapter 3. Behold what manner of love. First of John 3 verse 1. The Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. The Greek word there, technon, products of the Father. God manifestation. That's why the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, but it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But when we know that when he appears to us, we shall be like him, God manifest, for we shall see him as he is. So Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see God. And Mary will be presented in that day when Jesus presents the kingdom to his Father. So that God can be all in all. Well, the story of Mary we have considered is a story of five gracious piercings of the sword that Simeon said she would endure that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And that word many, brothers and sisters, includes us. Because you can't study the life of Mary without having your own thoughts exposed by the same sword that pierced into her soul. And it pierces deep as we saw and it hurts. It causes pain. 
But it always brings good, brothers and sisters. Because that sword, let's come to Hebrews 4 in conclusion, that sword is designed to save because it separates the good from the bad. It separates that which is of the flesh from that which is of the spirit. And if we allow that sword to penetrate deep into our soul, brothers and sisters, God will help us to divide asunder the good and the bad in us. So that we know which bits to throw away and which bits to keep. We know which bits to walk away from because they're cancerous and they'll kill us if they're not excised out of our life. And that sword will pierce until it divides asunder soul and spirit, joints and marrow because because. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our very heart. That's the word of God, brothers and sisters. Just come to Hebrews chapter 1. Paul opens this epistle. I believe Paul is the author of this epistle. Paul opens this epistle by saying, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, and he hath in these last days spoken unto us. By his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he made or framed the ages. He was the brightness of God's glory, and he was the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. He has spoken unto us, brothers and sisters. That us includes us here today. But do we hear his voice? Come to Hebrews chapter 3. What do we learn from the past, brothers and sisters? Well, we learn in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 5 that there was a house of Moses and we read in verse 6 that there is a house of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Mary and James and the brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ were in the house of Moses under the law zealous of the law, so zealous of the law that they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus took them out of that house and placed them in his own house. We read of that in Acts chapter 1, didn't we? Because Christ is a son over his own house. Whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit saith, today... If you will hear his voice. And we need to hear his voice, brothers and sisters. We need that piercing, sharp, two-edged sword of the voice of the Son of God. We need to hear it, brothers and sisters. Because in the past, that voice was not heard. And in verse 8, hearts were hardened. And did not allow that sword to pierce. Harden not your hearts. Look at verse 13. We need to exhort one another daily. And you don't need to be on a platform, brothers or sisters, to exhort. It is a responsibility that we all have. We need to exhort one another daily while it is called today. 
lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. While it is today, verse 15, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Don't resist. Don't say it is too hard. It is too painful. It is too inconvenient. It will not serve my ambition or it will not serve my purpose. It will get in the way of what I want to do. It's not what I think. Don't harden your heart. Hear the voice. It might hurt, but it will only hurt if it needs to. Chapter 4, verse 7. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And Simeon said to Mary, A sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. We need to allow the sword of the word of God to cut deep, brothers and sisters, because we come here to examine ourselves. We come to examine our motivations, the thoughts and intents of our hearts, and we cannot do that, brothers and sisters, without God's help. There is no way in the world we could analyse our lives and see them as God sees them without his word. We close that book. It's like saying, I know that there is a divine physician. And I know I've got cancer. And I know that divine physician can cut it out and save my life. But it hurts too much to undergo surgery. Paul says, don't harden your hearts. This surgeon has had a 100% success rate. He's never failed one surgical procedure. He has cut out and saved the lives of everyone that has come to hear his voice. And Paul pleads, don't make the mistake of previous generations. Don't harden your heart. Yield. Listen to his voice. Let that sword do its work. It'll save your life. Because there is no creature that is not manifest, verse 13, in his sight. All things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Because our high priest is a priest which is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. It is impossible that he be not touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He feels our pain. He knows what we're going through. He sympathizes with us. Because he was tempted in all points like as we are. Yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. You know, the word boldly in the Greek, brothers and sisters, doesn't mean with confidence. It means with openness, with frankness, and with honesty. And we're not honest. Natively, we're not honest. And all God asks 
Just be honest with yourself and honest with me because I can see what you're thinking. Don't just say, oh, Father, if I've done anything wrong, please forgive me. No. Is that honest? Is that an acknowledgement of sin? John says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when do we confess? At the end of the day, if I bumped into you walking down that aisle, would I not say sorry? At that point, when I realise that I've bumped into you, would, would I not want our relationship to be preserved and for you not to think that I was rude or injurious for no reason? No, I would say sorry on the spot and be open and say, I'm sorry that I bumped into you. I'm sorry that I said what I said. I'm sorry I did what I... Why? Because if our relationship is real, and if God is real, brothers and sisters, and we want a relationship with Him, we need to be open and frank and honest and say, I messed up. What I said was wrong. What I did was wrong. And confess what we have done openly and frankly. Because if we do, brothers and sisters, it is a throne of grace. It's measured by grace. Like the sword thrusts of Mary, the sword pierces us, brothers and sisters, as a favour, as a gift from God, and we will receive mercy. And we will find grace to help in the time when we need it most. Now is the day, brothers and sisters, today, I don't know whether I'll make it home on the flight tonight. What if I don't get the opportunity? When is the time that I have at my disposal to do something with any certainty? It's today. It's in the moment that we know we are in. If there are things that we have not openly confessed, openly and frankly, today's the day to do it. If there are things outstanding amongst us, don't put them off. Jesus said, if you come with your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has ought against you, leave your gift there, God will wait Go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer the gift. Today, brothers and sisters, is the day as we examine ourselves to allow that sword to penetrate deep and to start being honest. Because God sees everything. And when we stand before the judge, brothers and sisters, if we haven't been honest with ourselves and with each other and with him, those things are going to be exposed to the judgment seat. But the comfort and assurance that we have, brothers and sisters, is that if we hear his voice today and we harden not our hearts and we allow that sword to pierce through and respond with honesty, God will wipe out of his memory every sin that we have committed. It will not be brought up at the judgment seat.
And don't say to the to God or the Lord Jesus Christ in that day, well, you know, there are these things that I kept on battling with in my life. Because if you have addressed those things in your life, they won't be remembered. Oh, Father, I'm sorry. I've done the same thing again yesterday. The Father will say, if he could speak to us, I don't know what you're talking about. What happened yesterday? I don't remember. And we also need to forget the things that are behind and to press forward to those things that are before. Leave the past behind. That's what you can do today. Whatever the past has been, today you can decide to leave that in the past forgotten and God's going to bury your sins in the depths of the sea and there'll be a sign above that saying no fishing because those things are going to be thrown in the depths of the sea and no one's going to dig them up. That's what we come to remember this morning, brothers and sisters, the extent to which Yahweh has gone to save his people from their sins. It's a great blessing, brothers and sisters. Thank God for the gift and the favour of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, because it can save us, brothers and sisters, if we hear his voice today and harden not our hearts. God be with you. Thank you very much, Brother Khan. Before partaking of the emblems this morning, we will sing hymn number 241, reading from the first verse. The bread and wine we take, O Lord, and in these emblems see thy body given, thy blood outpoured, as we remember thee. Hymn number 241.
Having now arrived at the emblems, we will read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. To give thanks for the bread, we will call on our brother, Phil Wong. Almighty Yahweh, loving Father in heaven, we remember thy great work of redemption we remember the sacrifice now of thy Son. And it's through this bread that is before us, Heavenly Father, a token of that body of sacrifice. And we thank thee for this blessing, Heavenly Father, and as we partake of this bread, we pray that we may have that same determination, that same will, Heavenly Father, to do what's pleasing in thy sight to put away our fleshly desires so that we may be more like thy son. And we know that thou art preparing a bride, O Yahweh, and we pray that all of us may be part of that multitudinous bride and have an appearance and inheritance therein to thy great and glorious kingdom which thou hast prepared. We thank thee now Please hear our prayer. In thy Son's name we pray, our Lord Jesus to Christ. Amen. To give thanks for the wine. We will call on our brother Len Mazuka. Most loving and grateful Father in heaven, 
the great creator and sustainer of all life. We come before thee now in thanksgiving of this wine that thou has provided for us, that we may recognize it as the shed blood, that life blood that Christ gave for us, that through this we may have remission of our sins. We are very grateful, Father, that we were able to share in his death, burial, and resurrection at our baptism, and as we carry on trying to do thy will and to do what's acceptable to thee and obey the laws and the precepts that thou hast set forth so that we may have a place when thy son returns to be by his side to minister to those who are left so that they too may find this beautiful thing that we have found through thy grace that we can share this with all the brothers and sisters of the past with his mother and his siblings what a great and glorious time that will be father that we may see the fulfillment of all this that we have studied so hard and and learned from that we can see that come to the fulfillment that we will be there and thou becomes all and in all. We are so very grateful of all this, Father. Bless this wine to that end and help us to do thy will always. And we come to thee in his name, our Lord Jesus the Christ. Amen. partaken of the emblems this morning and now we will close our memorial memorial service with a closing hymn and afterwards we will remain standing for our closing word of prayer which will be given to us by our brother Will Jesperger hymn 434 Reading from the first verse. Lord, our parting do thou brighten. Radiant blessing on us shed. Let thy word our lamp enlighten. All the path that lies ahead. Hymn number 434.
Almighty God, Father in heaven, we are so thankful for this place that we have to worship thee, to sing hymns of praise, to open up thy holy scriptures and be exhorted thereby. And Father, we're so thankful for thy holy provision of thy Son and what he accomplished for us. That we could memorialize him in the appointed way. Father, please dismiss us with your blessing. Please keep us in your care as we go our separate ways. And help us to be mindful of these things we've considered today so that we may walk more uprightly on that narrow path that leads to thy kingdom age, for this is our hope. We offer this prayer in your Son's name, our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Amen.